Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. My name is Alexi Boyd, your trusted lover of all things admin, small business and uh, advocacy, really. It's all about giving you the education and the tools that you need to help your business flow and prosper. And uh, today we're going to talk to a very special guest um, who's going to be talking to us about his journey of the change and the transition between one aspect of business into another. And it, it's a very interesting story, which I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you. Um, Mark is with us. He's uh, from, he, hang on, I've just lost my notes now. <laughs> He's from ownyourmark.com.au. And uh, great name, by the way. Bit oh, of a play on words there, I've noticed. It, it is a bit of a play on words. <laughs> a couple of elements. Now, we had an excellent uh, meeting last week. We were talking a little bit about journeys and, and learning about one another's businesses. And I think that that's one of the, the cornerstones of small businesses, getting together over a cup of coffee and really getting to know one another. And, and let me just put it out there while I think of it. It's, it's, it's not about the sell is it? It's not really about the, the hard push and, and getting the other person to know everything that you do and every potential client that they can refer to you. It's just about getting to know one another. A hundred percent. Look, that's, that's one of the things I think. It, you don't need to make every networking opportunity a hard sell because that really doesn't work. And, and, and in the end, it, it fizzles out very quickly. Um, it's about maintaining relationships and that just makes it for a happy medium between the, the personal and the business side of things as well. And it's, uh, it's about the good coffee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very it's very important. important. And supporting ha- small business. Half Italian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it. Now, yours is a very interesting journey. And, and you and I um, dive down the rabbit hole of, uh, of good procedural and, and processes and, and that sort of thing. We're going to talk a little bit about those apps um, later on in the show as well. But firstly, just take me through your journey because I wanted to bring you on the show because yours is an interesting one. You've shifted from left brain is it left brain which one's the accounting side i get confused i know we were trying to figure that out last week you've shifted from one side to the other and you've moved into the creative and and that's not always an interesting an easy an easy transition because quite often we move out of the corporate world we've got our little niche we think okay this is what i do well and i'm going to move into it i'm going to become a consultant i'm going to become the expert i'm going to share my knowledge and my expertise with other businesses to help them grow you've done the opposite you've kind of gone hey i'm really really good at this but i'm going to flip and i'm going to move across to the other side of my brain and support businesses that i haven't normally engaged with so take me through that journey where did you start what's your what was your passion did you bring the passion with you or did you flip to something completely did you go to the dark side <laughs> <laughs> well yes um look look 100 percent uh the the dark side thing i think uh, anyone who's gone from one side of, of those left to the right or vice versa it's always termed as going to the dark side by the opposite team but uh my uh beginnings uh i left high school and and uh i kind of uh was at that point a lot of people are I think when you leave high school you don't really know what you want to do in life and and uh, I still don't no well, when I grow up <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I uh, had the uh, opportunity to go for interviews purely I, I saw it as interview experience with uh, chartered accounting firms and uh, I went for a few interviews and um, I got offered an accounting cadetship with a chartered accounting firm <laughs> and uh, and I thought oh you know what I'll, I'll give this a go uh, if, if it doesn't turn out I don't like it I'll, I'll just leave and do something else but you know, as it turned out, I went and did that. So I, I worked full time in a chartered accounting firm from the age of 18 and 
studied uni at night. I was doing a business degree at UTS. And wow. Yeah, so it was it was a, t- a challenging time because you you were used to three o'clock, you know, wanting to go to sleep after school, and instead you're suddenly working and then inevitably sleeping through uni in the nights. And and uh, it, but it was a, an amazing thing because you straight away are pu- pushed into an environment where you have very structured, um, strict environment because chartered accounting you're offering services in terms of taxation, financial accounting, a lot of statutory stuff. You're auditing people. Um, you're you're in a, in a position of authority in many cases and very quickly you're dealing with clients with very high wealth and businesses and and not-for-profits and a whole range of things and you have to go out there to these businesses and operate like a professional and Mm. you've got people operating above you mentoring you who are Mm. incredible leaders and teaching you a lot but it teaches you a lot of structure and so before you know it, I'm, I'm learning all these things within the course of a couple of months that made my uni degree almost redundant because mm-hmm. I, I'd learnt it all on the job, and mm. which was fantastic. Uh, so I did that, um, did four and a half years you know, to get through my uni degree and then I studied to become a chartered accountant as well because I thought, well, I might as well continue on the journey. Um, and before you know it, I've, you know, I've done six years in a chartered accounting firm and have all this experience behind me, six years of experience plus a degree plus a, a CA qualification. And suddenly, you know, the world was my oyster. But at the same time, all along that journey, I had a passion for a bit more of the creative side as well. Did you get any any exposure to that at all? Did you have the opportunity to at least deal with people who had a creative mind or was it really just numbers, 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 spreadsheets, you know, yeah. blocky kind of that side of the brain stuff. It was very much. Um, and, and most of my friends around me who, you know, left my school, went and did similar things. They studied accounting and law and that sort of stuff. And so I didn't have a great deal of that around me, but I always kind of just knew there was something hankering back there that I wanted to do um, something slightly more creative. And, and yeah, I had clients who, who did things like I remember the first time I went to a client, which was a really big magazine company, and they, they had, you know, graphic designers there airbrushing photos in magazines. And I was like, oh, I was really fascinated by that. But, you know, keep going. You've got to go and audit the cash. Uh, and so, and, but and the passion was always there and the interest was always there. It was. And, um, yeah, so, look, I, it's very hard sometimes to make that decision between there's something I feel like I might be passionate about and I want to give it a try, but I've got a really good, solid um, profession here. I've got an income. I've got an ability to get jobs. And, um, yeah, before you know it, I, I took that opportunity of, of the career that I'd built to move to London. And um, so I, I was lucky enough to work in London and New York and, and um, spend time in Italy. I did six years overseas and, and loved it. And without that profession, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Mm. Uh, so that that was a really big thing. And so I explored the career... I, I had to make a decision at some point, okay, how am I going to do this? Am I going to try and explore the creative side on the outside and use my solid income and, and you know, the, the ability to get jobs as, as a, just a vehicle? Uh, yeah, and just take up painting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and and do other things like I, I was on the side studying graphic design. I was like, oh, I, I wouldn't mind be, being a graphic designer. So I, was, I started doing that on the side. And um, I've always been a writer. So on the side, I, I also was running um, a website devoted to basketball, which is one of my passions and, and writing about that. I'm, I'm writing a book on that at the moment. See, this is really interesting. At, at, at no stage in this part of your life, kids are involved, might I add. <laughs> no, no, not yet. Right. Not yet. So you, while you still got that time, you can kind of delve I, I just I found it fascinating that you had this solid block this uh, foundation of income and a, a very good career and which took you all over the world but you were still able to tap into those um, and to that creative side through education and through you know fostering a passion and doing something did did you feel like um, 
for the basketball thing, for example, I know people who, you know, take on a blog or take on something that they're passionate about. When do you still have that? When did you? When did that disappear? Did it just filter away? When did you make mm. the decision to let that go? Because that's the problem with taking on things that are your passion. You've got your foundation. Yeah, yeah, I've got a job. I've got my money coming in, and this is something I'm really passionate about. But it's it's dying a slow death. Or yeah. how do you give that away? How do you give away that that stuff you're passionate about? It's a really good question. Kicking and screaming, I think, is the answer. But it, but it's almost like you need another passion to overtake it. To, to and that's kind of what happens. So. I, I kind of feel like, and, and back then when I was doing this, the, the, I don't think the term side hustle really existed, but people talk about these days and, you know, you, you have your main job and then you have your side hustle, the thing you're trying to do on the side to, as a passion and a passion that you're hoping might turn into a, a, a career or a business that you're going to run. And, mm. and so ultimately... I, I was running this, yeah, the basketball blog was, was amazing. It, it actually took me overseas to, you know, I got to the world championships in Turkey paid for by doing this stuff. And, and then I, you know, I worked with um, the Sydney Kings and wrote for the NBL and, and all this sort of stuff, which was amazing and, and something I was very pa- passionate about. However, those were not significant earners for me. And mm. I soon had to come to the realization that that wasn't going to be a career path for mm, me. Mm. So I did have other passions that overtook it and and that was working on other sorts of small businesses on the side and 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 it was a kind of a gradual thing where little by little you work less on one and you start to work more on the other and at some point you have to accept the fact okay i've got an attachment to this blog for example but that that is going to have to just remain dormant for now and and i'm moving on to the next thing and and that sounds like a really intelligent way to do it because a, you're constantly analysing, and I imagine you bring this to your clients now, you're constantly analysing the value of those things, even though you're passionate about them at the end of the day, they've got to be of value to you, can't just be, you know, fueling a passion. Um, and, and that transition took you quite logically. So you're going back to that logical side of things. So mm. you went from, okay, I've got my foundation, I've, I've got this interest, I've got this blog that's happening, it's something I'm really passionate about. Yeah, it's not quite working out, so let's move on to something else. So the transition for you was quite gradual. I was actually on the phone to an accountant friend of mine this morning and we were just throwing our hands up in the air just thinking, these people, some people are crazy the way they just drop their income, they drop everything that, that is stable and they go, I'm going to make cookies or something <laughs> you know, full time and they drop everything else and then they wonder why it's not successful. Yeah. So that transition that you had, although it's a flip from one very one extreme to the other, it was logical and the transition was um, careful and, and, and methodical in the way that you did it as well. Definitely. And, and, and I guess that that's rather than always being necessarily a very mindful thing it can be just a personality trait where you you tend to do that without thinking about it subconsciously assessing 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 and uh, i'm someone who always likes to you know sort of have a a backup plan to a backup plan and and have thoughts in my head as if this happens what will i do if this happens what will i do and and that was kind of the the way i approached that and so i looked at other things related to that i I, at one point i was considering oh could i become a sports agent um and you know manage professional athletes and was there a spread sheet for all of this there have been spreadsheets <laughs> <laughs> or, or was it or was it just um a, a very clear assessment because you've do you take the the skills that you have from working with clients into mm. that to put to put it make it your own or was it really just you were just analyzing yourself and now later down the track you use your experience to give to your new clients now yeah that's a, look i think Probably a lot of the time, and I think this applies to a lot of people, um, applying the skills that you use in your profession or that you use in, in 
you know, preaching in inverted commas to other people, um, you don't always apply them as well to yourself as what you should. Now, a lot of the things that I assess for myself are, are quite a mental game because, mm. you know, mm. I, I know myself and I know my business and all that better than anyone, obviously. So it's all there in my head. Um, however, over time, I try to implement all the tools that, that I recommend to other people and, and try to use those things. Um, but at the end of the day, quite often you go with your gut and you and then you try to you know, keep assessing on the fly. So I think in a, in a lot of these cases, I've, I've uh, as I say, it's been a gradual thing. So it's a dipping your toe in the water and there's never been any situation where I felt like I was putting myself out on a limb because I was little by little doing things. And, and all it really meant was the more you try to get into something, the less sleep you get. And, and that was kind of, and, and as you say... That was your gauge. Yeah, that's right. And if you can survive on three or four hours sleep, you can keep putting more activities into the day if, if you don't have kids. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, that's what, just what we deal with anyway when we've got kids when they're young. That's right. And you've yeah. got an eight-month-old, so you're right in the middle of that uh, at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's interesting because I think um, we always talk about on the show when I talk about people's small business journeys, we talk about oh, what skills did you bring with you? What, uh, what, you know, how can you implement what you've done previously in your corporate world into what you do now? But for you, it's those transitioning skills that I imagine you give to your clients through that experience. But also, I like what you said before about always assessing, mm. always assessing. And, and if, you know, one of the gauges is how much sleep you're getting, that's awesome. How much money have you got? That's a, that's a big, you know, gauge of things. But, mm. if, but also being able to release things out of your life that are not successful and are not helping you grow. Yeah. Um, and for you, that must have been a big big thing to, to say goodbye to the, the basketball thing. Oh, that, that was my baby. Um, mm. and, and in many circles um, online, like I'm still known for that and, and by that. And, and I've made innumerable friendships through that and mm-hmm. people that mm-hmm. know me originally through that. Uh, in fact, they, they actually, some people even know me by a different pseudonym just based on that sort of part of my basketball life. Basketball mark. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And Hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but at some point you've got to learn that, okay, I can't hang on to this any longer because, like you say, it's not helping me in, in the areas of my life that I want. I've gotten as much out of this as I can and, mm. and, and that's where I, I managed to, to build the skills that I, that I wanted out of that. I managed to get flex my writing muscles. I managed to um, learn the ins and outs of social media on the fly um, and and I sort of grew with the whole social media game because as I was writing this blog a lot of these social media platforms came on and and so I've brought all those skills now into what I do for my clients because I've got the ability to to you know talk from experience mm. that, that I've used these things and tried and tested yeah and that and that's so important for any consultant who's who's doing anything really you need to have those now that that brings me a nice segue to what we're going to talk about after the break which is going to be about what some really really great practical strategies are that you can use to be more efficient and productive which are fabulous words that I love as an admin expert and we're going to talk a little bit about how to implement things like uh, you know Evernote and Schedule-O Schedule-O? Schedule-O yeah. depends which country yeah, you're yeah, in right. <laughs> <laughs> into your business and keep it really practical now you're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM we will be back after this. So today we have got uh, a fantastic guest just before the break. We were talking about uh, that transition that many of us make between our previous lives, our previous worlds um, into the new and Mark was sharing us with us his experience about not making the transition to um, I guess uh, clunky 
and just keeping it keeping it flow. So always constantly assessing what it is that you're doing, adding, subtracting what it is that's not um, taking away or giving to you for your future career. And you never know what that career is going to be. You don't. No, it could be it could be writing, like you said. You were you were very much in the accounting um, world, the numbers, the figures, mm. the auditing. Um, but your passion lay in the creative, which I think is an, an interesting story unto itself. Now, one of the things that you give a lot of your clients is um, is apps. And let's face it, if you're not across productivity apps and and good admin apps at the moment, you're probably wasting a hell of a lot of your time on unnecessary stuff. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. Look, uh, the thing is, we've got an opportunity with technology now that we don't need to live totally in a in a world of you know paper or keeping things in your brain so to speak um and and look i absolutely love stationery uh, i have to admit i'm a, you I'm a kiki k boy i'm a tragic in many look i've got a <laughs> kiki k book here hey. but, uh, but actually you know, kiki k is a bit too commercial i like to find those little hidden gems but no but look i i do um i do like stationery but at the same time i also love technology and i mm. love the efficiencies that it can bring you and mm. you know that word productivity so there are a number of apps that I, I use and I recommend to people and, and there are always new ones coming onto the market and it's a matter of trying and testing all these things and passing on the best ones to people. So I guess the, the things that I would uh, really recommend in terms of you know, some of the ones that I've spotted, one is um, called Schedulo. Yeah, and tell me about that. We were talking about that the other day. It sounds yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a new one. Um, it, it's from a, a great team um, here in Sydney and uh, it's, uh, what they've done is they've tried to bring together the IT mindset and the finance mindset. And mm. uh, the team there have um, come from both of those backgrounds and they've seen where, you know, IT workers quite often and, and project management works on a Kanban system. You know, you, you, you put, pull together all the pieces of the project and these are all the key deliverables and these are the things that are uh, absolutely terminal if, for the project to, to continue, that mm. sort of stuff. And so you put all these onto a board and and, um, and that gives you a flow and an and understanding of what everyone's working on and where things need to be. Now, that, that's great for that side of the business, but then you've got people who work in things like professional services, public practice, you know, so accountants and, and lawyers and this sort of stuff, they work on more of a calendar basis. And so you, you know that, okay, working day three, which to them, you know, an accountant means three days after the end of the month, I need to have X reports available to me mm -hmm. because I need those to produce my month-end, year-end accounts. Mm -hmm. And so they know, you know, working day six, I'm going to have all this completed by. Mm. And, and so they work on a calendar basis and they also work on hours because they charge by the hour, yes. all that sort of stuff. So these guys have brought calendar and Kanban together and, and it does many other things, but essentially the idea being you can schedule in, okay, I know I'm going to need two hours to work on this project today. I'm going to need three hours for this. You can move them around and say, okay, I'm going to work on each of those things. And you can even drop a timer in when you do commence working on that thing to see how, how much time you did spend on it. And then you can use that then to effectively you know, charge your clients for what you've done and, and keep track and keep everyone accountable in your business, whether it be only yourself or whether you've got a team of 20. That's fantastic. Yeah. And is it, uh, is it based on a job basis? So whatever hours you do is allocated to that job, whatever project management you have, the, the milestones that need to be achieved and the dates they achieve, that's all project based? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it's really good. There's lots of different filters you can put into it to sort of tailor it to what you, you need. But... Really, I think it's it's very much um, targeted towards that professional services sort of area. But because that sort of line of business is is changing now, it used to always be a time and um, materials type uh, charging system. But a lot of people in professional services, and you know, I do this as well. You, you quite often charge based on outcomes. So you've quoted that you're going to, you know, I'll do that for you, and that will cost fifteen hundred dollars. 
Um, and, and then you want to account for it internally yourself. How much does this cost me? You know, mm-hmm. How much time did I spend on it? So mm-hmm. the next time I quote someone on that outcome, do I quote 1500 or do I quote 2000 Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a great project. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like a, it's kind of like project management software, but just on steroids a bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a great one. And, and tell me about the importance of using Evernote. Now, Evernote's been around for a very long time. Um, what do you use it for and how do you recommend it to your clients? Yeah, look... I think that something, you know, this is this is my terminology for it. I, I kind of use it like my brain book. Now, my brain book is, is something that I, at one point, started using at work, and, and that was literally a notebook that, you Have know, you tried back there? Uh, I, I need to. Are I we allowed to, to use quickly. it? I, I, the pa- patent pending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the the, uh, the brain book, it, it was something that I, I would have a, a little notebook there at all times. It just has brain written on the front. And if I've got something in my mind and I think, okay, that's a really cool snippet of information, I need to keep that. Or this is something I need to do later. Or this is a website I want to keep mind of or anything like that. I would write it in this book so that I could take it out of my brain mm-hmm. and focus again on what I'm doing mm-hmm. rather than always having all these little things or post-it notes all over my desk it's all in the book and and so that for me relaxes me and makes me lets me focus on what I need to do and it's all in the brain book now Evernote is great for this because that acts as my brain book because I can you you can take quick notes in there so you can type up notes you can even hand write notes if you if you have um you know you're working on an iPad or a tablet or something you can um even scan in um handwritten notes and some um there are some notebooks that they've actually, you know, for stationary geeks, there are notebooks that have been designed specifically that work with it, that have grid paper that is fits with it and there's little tick boxes you can do which will filter things through your Evernote when you scan it in, things like that. And you can do voice notes on there. Um, it has a lot of APIs that link into other programs as well. So you can, you know, for example, link it in with your your email and, and other things like that. It, yeah, you were saying you can have automatic um, uploads so that if something comes up in your email and it has a specific keyword into it, it automatically goes into Evernote for later on. Exactly, which, yep. it, which is huge. So you, you put a filter in there and you know that oh, I want to keep track of that. And it acts like, you know, it acts like a scrapbook as well, I guess. So if you see something online and you think this web page is really useful, I want to take this whole page or I want to take this paragraph, you can highlight the paragraph and click your little Evernote button on your, your browser so you can have a plug-in and bring it straight into your Evernote. So you've got all these scraps for later. If you're pulling together something to write an article, I find it really useful for that. Mm. And uh, so it can, it's, a, it's got a powerful search function as well. So you can search through all your notes, including your handwritten ones. It has a lot of recognition features. Oh, so, wow. That's yeah. helpful. Yeah. So it has location-based as well. So if you're taking notes on your phone and things like that, it knows, oh, what was it? Oh, I, I remember I wrote it down. I was in North Sydney at the time and you can search via that. So. Wow. So that search function is actually quite a powerful tool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it sounds to me you can, like you can use it for your social media, blogging. You can use yeah. it for any um, perhaps workshops or articles that you're writing or something that you're creating, even, even um, producing some work for your clients and then wanting to have some statistics included in that that's right and and look i've got all different notebooks within there so you, you can split it into different notebooks so i've got one for personal i've got one for different businesses i work hmm. on i've got one for my my main business and that way you've got your your, your lives separated and into different areas and, and and yeah like you say it's all searchable now i'll be honest with you i i like the idea of evernote but i i honestly can't imagine finding an extra half an hour in my day to be able to read all the articles so it's one thing to research them mm. but it's another to read them so what would be your top tip for actually making the most of that research that you've done and implementing it or even just reading it and absorbing it yeah that that's that's a tough one look i think time 
needs to be dedicated if possible to that sort of stuff if it's really relevant to what you do and I think for everyone personal development is important or whether you're writing articles it's important um, one tip I guess I would give is to try and um, use podcasts and, and audio as, as a... I know or, a great podcast. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's called Small Biz Matters. No, I'm joking. I've listened to that one. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think podcasts and audio books is, is, a, is a great revelation. I think more and more of what we do on our phones and, and tablets is going to be very much audio-based, whether mm. that be us talking to the device mm, or us mm. listening. And I use any opportunity I can when I'm in transit that, you know, driving around to not be a waste of time not to listen to something useless but if if i if i'm happy to do it and, and i don't want to just zone out with music i listen to podcasts and try to be informed by it there's a lot mm. of great business podcasts there are also a lot of great audiobooks um there's another app here that that i recommend that i i use in terms of if you want self-development and business type books it's called blinkist mm. and blinkist yeah basically what it does is distills uh business books mainly and personal development books into blinks they call it and and so that's small um summaries crib notes yeah Mm. and and it's great so you you, there's only so much time in our life as you say and if you if you add up all the hours in your life and and the the really scary thing is if you start to add up okay i'm this age now the average age i'm going to live to is this this is how many books i could feasibly read in my lifetime that's when you really start to get a bit more uh you know selective (laughs) as to what you're going to read with your time and if you can um, get through, you know, at least the key messages in, in a book within, you know, literally 10 minutes, that that's a real benefit. And if you, if you really like it, then you can go back and read the whole thing. But yeah. it, it just gives you that extra source of quick knowledge. And, and so I, I really like that one, Blinkist, for that that purpose. That's good. And also to note that you can go back and just high 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 level read it and then go back and delve into it further if you need to actually get it as an audio you can and you can even save notes from that directly into your Evernote as well is, is Blinkist a, an app or is it a sort of part of the audiobooks thing it, it is an app and it, it allows you to both read or listen as an audiobook to these Blinks as well so it's an app and, and it's definitely on iPhone and I'm not sure it, it's I think it'd be on Android as well so do you listen to a lot of Samuel L. Jackson it's <laughs> <laughs> trying to imagine whose voice is constantly in your ear <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Um, yeah, look, it's, it's it's interesting, isn't it, to make those those a part of of your everyday um, working life, if nothing else, to save time, particularly with that Evernote thing, because having things in your brain all the time, you need to get them out. I mean, that's classic CBT therapy, isn't it? Just trying to get the information that's stored up in your mind to just release it and know that it's there to access later on. One of my favourites is um, is actually Trello. Um, yeah. and, and I like that from my perspective because I guess a lot of what I do is project management, but it doesn't have need that high level schedule thing yeah. where I'm, I'm working too much with time or a team or milestones as such. I just need to have a checklist. So what I like about Trello is that you can create, um, you can create uh, uh, checklist templates yeah. where you can say, right, I've got this project. It's always going to be the same for my clients, you know, doing a bass at the end of the quarter. That's pretty typical. And everybody's got to meet those 20 things to do as part of their bass. So I enjoy doing that as well and maybe setting them up on zero or something like that. It's all um, it's all just helps to get these things out of your mind, even if it's the process that comes mm. out of your brain as well. Oh, yeah, and, and the satisfaction of ticking those things off and, and seeing what you've achieved because quite often we do a lot of work and then you don't realise at the end of the day, oh, what did I get achieved today? It's nice to be able to look back and mm. see what you have achieved. Yeah, and the boxes you've ticked That's and that right. sort of thing. Do you use which, which is your favourite of those options? Which would be your favourite for just a basic to-do list yeah look 
Evernote is one of those, and you can create lists on there. But my my favourite probably for that is uh, called Wonderlist, and mm. so. Um, well, I don't know if it's actually pronounced that way, or it's got the U with an umlaut. Wunderlist. It's Wunderlist, <laughs> yeah, which is which is very much what it says on the box. It's it's a very much a dedicated list program, and it's fantastic for that. You create lists. I've got lists there of of music that I've heard somewhere, and I want to download it. Restaurants that I want to go to, or whether it be um, client business related things. And the good thing is you can collaborate with others, so you can share a list with others. They can tick off when they've done something. They can write comments on there as to you know whether that's achievable or whether they're going to do it and things like that so it's it's great for lists and it's very much a dedicated list app and let me just suggest to everyone as well when you're looking for these apps my top tip for for app usage um, because obviously you're going to be spending a lot of time in these apps and using you're sort of relying on them quite heavily mm. you need to have something that's very well supported yes. um, it's important that you don't stumble upon something on the app store and just go hey this looks really cool and five people are using it chances are that you know in a couple of months time it's not going to be there anymore it's not going to be supported you're not going to get any updates and it might even just drop off the face of the earth and if you've got information in there you need to make sure that it's something reliable it's like with any piece of software yeah. you know you wouldn't use some weird clunky thing when you, when Adobe does exactly what you need it to do. So make sure you research the, the apps. Um, I've got an exact situation there. It's a, great, it's a great little thing that you can use on Macs called Wallet. They don't, um, they don't support it anymore, which is a real shame. It's a heavily encrypted piece of software that only sits on your desktop. It's not based in the cloud. It can't access the, the Wi-Fi or anything like that. And it's all of your passwords for everything. But it's, um, there's no way anyone's getting into that without, without the password. And I think if somebody tries to get into your computer three times and they fail, that actually completely deletes itself from the system. So it's really great. But unfortunately, it's not... It's not there anymore. You can't download it anymore. It's not supported. Um, and what concerns me now is I'm sitting there with all this data. They're going, I'm actually relying on that really heavily because that's where all my passwords are. That's There's huge. nothing else like it. I can't find another thing to replace it where I can just transmorph all the, all the data across. So be conscious of that, particularly with lists, yes. because although taking information out of your head and putting it onto a piece of paper or onto a piece of software is great... <laughs> We often just then absolutely release it from our minds altogether and we rely quite heavily on that piece of software. So be cautious. Yes, and and this becomes doubly important with the world we live in now because software used to be something that just sat on your machine and, and you had access to it. If, if something like that happened, no support just meant that, you know, there'd be no updates. But now that everything lives in the cloud, um, you do need to have backups of things. And so I do take backups of, of certain things. And, you know, for example, you know, in, in your personal life, photos is a really big thing. Yeah. Now that all our photos are digital, I have my photos backed up in a couple of places, well, multiple places, as well as hardware. I've got it also backed up on Google Photos and Dropbox and, you know, it's, it's important to, to have backups. Yeah, particularly particularly with memories, things that are associated with memories and you can't bring them back. We're going to take a quick break here on Triple H 100.1 FM and then after that we'll be back to have a look at the Small Biz Matters calendar and see what's coming up for businesses in our area in the next week or so. You are listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, Mark, we were just talking about the importance of blogs and podcasts and keeping yourself informed. Why do you think that's so important for businesses, not just in terms of their professional development, but why keep filling your brain with stuff? <laughs> Hang on, let me turn your mic on. That would help. Oh, yeah. There we are. <laughs> Here we are. Uh, so why, why, why keep on, why keep on, um, on, on sort of putting, pushing more in there? Is mm. it, what sort of p- development is, is the reason for that? Yeah, look, I think particularly when it comes to marketing your business and, and keeping abreast of, of developments, it's really important just because of the, the world we live in now. Information is so freely available 
through the internet, through all these means that it's kind of expected that you are on top of things. And if you want to keep your marketing, your your strategy, your, your pricing, all these things relevant and competitive with with who you're competing against, you need to ensure that you are abreast of things. Now, that could come down to something as reactive as my um, my competitor has just dropped their prices. I need to fit with that. Or it may be something more like, uh, I've seen something really big that's developed in you know the United States and, and Donald Trump's done something. I want to run a quirky advertising campaign that plays upon that. And I've got a really trusted um, graphic designer I work with, someone who can help me put that together quickly and being ready for that. Um, and, and But look, by all means, all that stuff and you know, linking into it's a really hot day outside and you run a business that sells soup. Now, you need to be aware that, okay, we've had an unseasonably warm winter here. Your soup sales have probably been down. How do you react and, and what industry knowledge is there out there if you're listening to podcasts and reading blogs and news on your industry as to what other people are doing to try and overcome this have they turned their factory into a smoothie factory or a you know a protein shake place something that can work in a colder in a you know as a cold option rather than a hot option because you've got to be able to operate in in both halves of the year so all of that stuff i would always preface with you need to ensure that you have budgeted yourself for the year so that you're, and this is my financial side coming in, mm. linking that marketing to the financing that I've budgeted to react to marketing as and when I need to and I've got the budget to have it, you know, so that I don't feel like, oh, I've gotten to this point, I'd love to do something to play upon what Donald Trump just said, but I don't have the money. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. so it's a little bit about making sure that you've got the budgeting, but the knowledge is so important and keeping abreast of what's going on. It is. And do you think it's... um. For me, I find it a little bit overwhelming, and I imagine sort of half the half the population would go, "Oh, just there's just so much out there. There's so much information to wade through." But on the other side, you're saying, "Well, if you can be choosy and you can be careful about what you read and allocate your time effectively and keep it relevant and up to date, then you can be transposing that into advertising opportunities, which will be different from your competitors." Yeah, and and look, I think in terms of filtering through all those different options out there and all that massive information, it's about identifying your trusted sources and you don't necessarily then need to be trawling across websites everywhere and podcasts everywhere. What you can do is use um, a, a, an app, we're talking about apps again, called Feedly is, is one example. Now that's where it pulls in feeds from all your, all the sites. You, you just identify, okay, I like this website, I like this website, I like this website. All these blogs have really good information and this news site and CNN, the specific part of CNN that you like. And it will pull a feed together, a curated feed of all of the information that comes out of those sites. And you can create different categories. So I know that I've got a category for, for related to business. I've got a, a category related to cryptocurrencies because I'm interested in that at the moment. I've got a, a category related to basketball. I've got a re- category related to art. And whatever I want to dive into at that moment, if I want a leisure moment, I'll, I might look at the art of the basketball. But if I want to keep up with my business affairs, I've got the others. And it's, it's a really quick way because your articles are all lined up, all the latest ones. And uh, that way you, you're not wasting your time trawling around. Mm, and that's and that's called Feedly with an L-Y? Yeah, F-E-E-D-L-Y. Excellent. So that's a really great way to sort of help you pick and choose which pieces of, um, you know, podcasts or radio information you're going to be pulling out. Yeah, that's right. And and it, it, it has recommendations on there as well for, for certain categories. But, um, you know, th- there are many 
things like that. There's another one called Flipboard and, and you can follow other people's Flipboards. So if someone has um, a really good feed and, and you, they tend to follow all the stuff that you think, oh yeah, they follow good sites. So you can rely on them and just follow their Flipboard and, mm. and that will constantly have a feed of articles coming on that they curate themselves. So. Wow. So you can piggyback on how other people think. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just go, I want to think like that person. Exactly. Wow. Um, so at the beginning of the program, we were talking about utilising the financial side of your brain and the creative and melding them together. And um, one of the things we wanted to talk about was how to use that best with your marketing um, and your marketing strategy. So obviously, are you one of those people that agrees it's really important to have a marketing strategy? And if so, when do you put that in place? Because I think it's quite silly to have a marketing strategy when you first start out and you're a startup and you have really no idea who your clients are going to be. When, when do you think it's a good idea to implement that? Or, or do you do one then anyway and then just keep manipulating it? Yeah, look, I think the answer is always and, and it's always evolving. Um, so I always tell people to have a, a business strategy document which links into a marketing strategy document and that both of those are living documents. Uh, they're not something to set and forget. They're not something that you, you, you write up when you're starting a business put together a business plan and then put it in a drawer and forget about it. It mm. should evolve with your business and with the environment that you're playing in and how your business evolves. So in terms of the marketing, yes, when you start kick off your business, you need to do your research because people, sadly, 80% of corporate failures in Australia are small businesses. And the reasons for those um, failures, according to you know ABS and ASIC, is that generally it's it's cash flow mismanagement and, and financial mismanagement, but it's also strategic mismanagement and failure to plan, to, to do adequate business planning. Now, that's a sad reality and it's it's something that is avoidable because if, if you when you start out a business, I know it's we're all trying to bootstrap, we're all trying to build a business up for, on the smell of an oily rag, but you need to invest. If, if you don't have the, the required skill set, you need to invest in working with the right people to at least get a plan in place and that's to plan where your business is going financially, to understand whether you are going to be profitable or whether it's a crazy idea, and then to have some sort of marketing plan. And, and when uh, you say, yeah, should you do that at the start? Yeah, you, you should be able to identify who are my competitors in the market so you at least know who you're coming in against. If you're looking to sell fizzy sweet beverages, you know there's some very big players out there in the market that you'll be competing against. And how am I going to find my niche in the market to compete against those guys? And then what's my persona going to be? What's my tone of voice in my marketing and, and advertising? Am I going to be playful? Am I going to be authoritative? Am I going to be polite? Or, or what, what's that going to be? And then what's my branding going to be like? What's my pricing strategy, my positioning in the market? Am I looking to be a premium player with an expensive product or am I looking to undercut everyone? All those sorts of things should be assessed and, and planned and then they should evolve with time. So as you establish, you might start out as a, trying to undercut the market and then as you establish more of a position, you put your prices up, I guess, a bit like the way Hyundai when they came into Australia with very cheap cars and then they've, they've moved up to the, the middle market now. Mm, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good way of looking at it. We do we can take a lot of um, leaves out of the book of corporate if we wish, definitely. Yeah. So this this evolving document with the marketing, what what's a really straightforward marketing plan um, that you could just begin with? So some really top-level bullet points you need to know what, what. What do you start with when you've got a blank piece of paper in front of you? Yeah, I think... It's a really good exercise and it sounds rudimentary, but I think everyone should do a SWOT analysis. Now, for those that don't know that... Isn't that a bit 90s? It, it sounds like it, but I think it's a... It, and, and look, this, is, this can be a 10-minute exercise and it's, it's not a waste of time when you're looking at running an enterprise for over a long period of time. Mm, you mm. should understand what your strengths are, what mm. your business's strengths are and your weaknesses, and then 
very importantly, what are the opportunities and threats out there in the market? So those things, a lot of your business and marketing plan will feed off that. Now, in terms of the, the really actionable points on a marketing plan, I think you, you need to know, like I said, what your positioning in the market is going to be. So you need to know, am I positioning myself up high or down low in terms of pricing and placement? So whatever your pricing is also needs to flow into how you position your branding. So am I going to talk with a tone of voice that says that I'm a, a playful, cheap competitor? Am I going to be having advertising that looks like I've scribbled it on, on a piece of paper because I'm adjusting my prices on the fly like you know someone like JB Hi-Fi does? Or am I going to look try and look premium so that I can charge premium prices? So you, you need to work with someone who can get that branding looking the way you want it to be. And then you need to get into uh, your actual pricing strategy, which flows into marketing. So actually, what are my prices going to be? Am I going to differentiate that pricing to different segments of the market? And, and that comes back to identifying your target market. Mm. So you must identify your target market. Who am I selling this to? Who wants this thing? Um, and, and I guess a really big piece of the whole marketing thing and, and the advertising piece is a lot of people forget about the why. Now, that you've got the how, the what, and the why of, of your product. So you a lot of people love to enunciate and, and certain industries do this better than others. Certain industries don't do it well. For example, the tech industry are very good at talking about this is what I'm selling. These are all the features. This is all the tech specs. Mm. And the next step is, or how am I going to deliver that to you? Mm. But, the, but the really big one and, and that one big player in, in the tech market that a lot of us have in our pocket does really well is the why. What is this going to, why do I want this in my life? How is it going to make me feel? How is it going to make my life better? What problems does it solve for me? Um, there, was a, there was a really good example of that back in the early 2000s when there was a company called Creative Technology. They invented the MP3. They invented the MP3 player. And they, really? Yeah. It's like just this little little, little one-man band kind of thing. Well, well not one-man band, but a small... I would have thought that would have been like an Apple iTunes thing. Well, and, and that's what Apple led everyone to believe. So 2002, you know, Creative come out with this MP3 player and it was a fantastic product. You could have 10,000 songs in your, in your pocket or they had this player with a with a, a file structure where you go up between folders and all that sort of stuff and interface. 20 months later, Apple came out with the iPod and, and they piggybacked off that same sort of technology, although they'll say that they invented it. Uh, <laughs> but 2006, the courts agreed that Creative actually came out with it and Creative got $100 million out of Apple for um, going against their patent. But the thing was, Apple won the war because ultimately they sold an experience. It was, it was an inspirational and aspirational product they were selling. They Creative sold this thing. No one really understood other than the techie guys who thought, oh, this is amazing. But the average Joe Blogs in the street didn't realise that the way Apple sold it, you're going to have 10,000 songs in your pocket and you're going to be jumping around to U2 like and, a rock and star. And guess who, what the, who, who was their target market in the end? Yeah, the Joe Blogs on the street. And That's right. There, so they weren't... I mean, obviously, they would have done some sort of SWOT analysis, but uh, maybe they didn't. Maybe well, they didn't. And it's, it's not something that we can't condense down and look at from a small business perspective because at the end of the day, we might not be a $100 million uh, you know, product or a $100 million company, but we can sit there and say, well... You know, I, I know I need to know who my competitors are. I need to know who I'm targeting to, and I need to then flush that into my marketing plan, and not just what's going to happen with this Facebook campaign, but what's going to happen after that. What's how do I feed in the the, the interest that people are going to come out of that into the next thing? How do I push them through to the next item that they might want to buy or something like that? 
That's right, exactly. Yeah. So, and, and you know, the, you can get very technical with that with data analytics, and, and there are a lot of opportunities for that with the the um, technology we've got out there at the moment. But just on a rudimentary level, you can start to understand through working with your customers and understanding their customer experience as to what they want from mm. your products and mm. what they're really liking. And going back to that 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 whole thing of the why. Um, why do the people want to work with this business? So, you know, I've worked with businesses like, say, a cleaning business where they they might talk about, oh, we will do this and, and we'll do this and it'll take one hour and, and we'll clean this and we can and when we can clean your bathroom and, and we can polish floors and all that. Whereas what might work really well as a marketing campaign is your place is going to look amazing. It's going to look a million dollars. You're, you're, you are going to feel happy and, and carefree. You're going to be proud. Of, yeah, yeah proud. You, can, you can have anybody come into the home. Exactly. It's the same. At the end of the day, they're just cleaning a bathroom and polishing the windows. So. That's right. Yeah. So that, yeah. uh, that undervalues your product because many people see that as, as a very fundamental service that you're offering, which is, is a low skill, supposedly mm. service. But if you can sell it that, oh, you know, that 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 auntie comes over who's normally going to inspect your place with a fine tooth comb and she walks in and, and loves your house, then that's the experiential thing that makes people really want to um, take on your service. And I suppose a really important thing about feeding in that left brain, right brain is to make sure that when the finance side of things melds together with the marketing is that you are actually taking your knowledge about where you stand financially and how much you're going to spend on a certain marketing campaign and on a certain marketing trajectory, how long it's going to last for, what can you expect it to cost. Um, that's got to, you've got to know your financials. Even right from the beginning, you've got to know where you stand. You've got to know how much your product costs, what your cost of sale is to make that product, what's, you know, what's your margin. If you're a consultant, how much is your time worth? You've got to do your analysis to see what your competitors are doing, what clients are you bringing with you because you're not just going to have nothing. Are you going to then start working on a networking budget? If you are, don't just spend $3,000 in B&I and not know what you're going to get out of it. So it's all about understanding where you are financially and feeding that through to that marketing strategy, no matter what it is, whether it's just a straight, you know, hit on a Facebook page versus, um, you know, a, a three, five thousand, ten thousand $5,000, $10,000 campaign to get your, your business up and running. You still got to do those fundamentals, don't you? You do. And, and this is a, a big mistake a lot of businesses make. And that goes all the way up the corporate ladder to the really big corporates. A, a lot of the time, people will fail to budget in effectively what they think they're going to get out of a marketing campaign, mm. um, how much it's going to cost them. So that's the contra to it. But then the really big thing that everyone forgets, or a lot of people forget, is afterwards coming back and assessing, doing a 360 degree review on how did that marketing program or strategy work? Yep. Did, what did, uptick did we get? Yep. And rather than just looking at vanity factors like on the numbers like oh we put an we put an ad out there our reach yeah Yeah, how how many many people saw it big deal yeah how many clicks how many tweets how many retweets of this did we get they're all vanity factors the the real thing is how many extra dollars did we get in the door as a result of this campaign and and that's or if you were just looking for extra people to push to your website because it wasn't about the dollars that's okay too that's right but just have a measurable outcome for each of these things measurable look mark you and i could talk um pretty much all day about these things so thank you so much for coming on the program tell us about where we can find out more about you and your business oh fantastic thank you for for having me today alexi it's been amazing um so my business is own your mark and you can find me at ownyourmark.com.au uh, you can you can even call me. I'll put my number out there, 0450-770-366. Um, and yeah, so anything either on the finance or the marketing side, but it's really about growing your business is what I do. And that's what we do here on Small Biz Matters, help you get educated and have fantastic guests on the show like Mark. Thank you once again. For-
for coming on the program. Thank you. And if you've just tuned in, you can join our blogs and podcasts page on the smallbizmatters.com.au website. That'll be available in the next week or so. And there's over 100 blogs and podcasts to listen to and to read um, that you can educate yourself on. You have been listening to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. This is Triple H 100.1 FM.